Holly. Hey, Dave. What is going on with yourself today on the What Difference Does It Make podcast? Dave, I have been looking forward to today. I always love talking to the guests that we have today. Uh, yeah, we seem to get David Wild uh, every three, four, once in a while. Quarterly. when we Quarter, yeah, on a quarterly. I think it's contracted that uh, he has to appear. So uh, I think the time has come. And uh, we've got uh, a few things on our plate this week. And he's always got some great stories. As, as he himself says, he doesn't necessarily wait for questions to be asked. He is always interesting, always funny, always self-deprecating, and just always a treat. So I am super excited. <laughs> wow. You ra- yeah, raised up. Yeah, that was a squeal. Wow, you are. <laughs> All right, so then let's hand the ball off to David Wilde as he's going to uh, run it for a touchdown, hopefully. But let's hold on. Let's take a timeout. And Holly, what do you need to tell our listeners? I would just like to tell our listeners, because we know that we talked to David for a long time, so what you might miss in the podcast, you will always find on YouTube. So check out our YouTube channel. Just search for What Difference Does It Make Podcast. You'll also find clips on our other social media at WDDIM Podcast. Uh, I should also mention that David has a podcast. It's called Naked Lunch. It's with Phil Rosenthal. We will get into that right away also a reminder that we are we are a part of the pantheon podcast family so you can check out those podcasts as well so much but we're glad you're with us right now so why don't we get right into it this is david wild on the what difference does it make podcast here we go we're talking with david wild it's that guy from that new podcast it's that guy from that with the hat is he what oh i win the bet he's wearing a hat i get it <laughs> I, I didn't bet against that you know <laughs> If you thought it was under the hat, you would pay for the hat. It's not worse than this. It's yeah. I I would like that. I would I would take that. <laughs> Is this where'd you get that? Did you get the idea from Dwight Yoakam or from Brett Michaels? What? Uh, who gave you the like? What, Which idea? I don't just to wear a hat at all. Just to cover up the uh, whatever mystery. Let the mystery be. You're always you know. What's funny is that I tweeted a picture like from we did Alice and Janney for our podcast the other day, and there was this hair going out like a mile here, and I'm like, how do I have that much hair anywhere? Like, I, that was the only hair I had, and it was straight out here. I I don't think it's an idea. I think it's a strategy for. Okay. Exactly to cover up. Did she point it out to you, Alice and Janney? No, she did not. No, she she was way too nice, way too nice. and too tall for me. <laughs> How tall is Anna, Alice and Janney? She's over six feet tall, isn't she? Yes. Really? We recorded in one, we had a double lunch, our only double lunch session. And we had Ray Romano and Brad Garrett and then Alice and Janney. And between Brad Garrett and oh, Alice yeah, and Janney, yeah. I never felt shorter. <laughs> I wish the prince were still alive for so many reasons, but partly so that I could tower over a great guest. That would be nice. Uh, yeah, we're so this is a part we have never we've we have never met. Where, uh, how how tall is a David Wild? David Wild is was five six, but has probably now fallen fallen some. At this, who knows? You're not old enough to start shrinking. I'm getting there, and but fortunately, my wife is a you, Dave. You met my wife, yeah. and she, a lovely five like two. So I still I still tower. Is Tower really the right word to use? No, uh, no. when you're no. five five. Okay. Four inches is towering. I think annoy is the right verb. Okay, yeah, okay, there we go. Yes. You know that's not a synonym. It is in my life. In my life. <laughs> 
You make your rules for your marriage. I'll make the rules for my oh, right. All right. Fair enough. Uh, Steve uh, Towers over me. He's five nine. <laughs> Uh, we went, yeah, we went to a, uh, we saw Alice Cooper, Holly and I, and Holly got a lot of compliments saying, I need to stand behind you at all times because you are the perfect person to be, you know, right in front of me. I could see everything. That's see, what... Last night at one, we went to the um, Nick Kroll at the Netflix is a joke festival at the lovely theater at the Ace Hotel. You ever go to concerts there? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Very nice. Oh, my God. is that? I think that's the most beautiful venue. It's the best. Yeah. I love that place. But at one point, we went from our cheap balcony seats, which my wife had purchased, which I respect her for. The, the whole week now was spent trying to get out of places early before a crowd. But at one point, we went down and we were in some sort of great low sort of the second floor overhanging i think it was some vip area we were not supposed to be in but i was so happy to have my wife i was like no no you go in front <laughs> i tower you'll you yeah know, you know. Uh, so it's good to I, you have to marry someone you can tower. so so you're not being gracious uh, you know a, a wonderful gentleman and considerate and go ahead right after you it's because you want to be seen it's all about no, you i want to look at her because she is so adorable <laughs> but no, it's the right answer okay I just want my, I'd rather look at her than Nick Kroll. I find her much more fetching. <laughs> fetching. So, though I am attracted to Nick Kroll as well. Yeah, he is fetching. Uh, the humor, yeah, the humor put you over. I worked with Nick Kroll and John Mulaney uh, when they hosted the Spirit Awards twice a couple of years ago. Yeah. I have never laughed more working on a show. Yeah. Like you're not being paid, although you do end up trying to laugh at your own jokes a lot to create the illusion <laughs> they're working. I have never not faked laughter more than with those two. We were just talking about before you logged on about buying concert tickets, like, you know, cheap concert tickets and then, you know, getting, trying to get better seats. John Mulaney, my daughter bought us John Mulaney to, and mind you, she's on a, a tighter budget, bought us tickets to see John Mulaney in June at uh, Madison Square Garden. She bought third row seats. Whoa. <laughs> she lives rich. No, uh, yeah. See, what's funny is like, I, my wife is a partner in a business management firm, like, but we are both very cautious with spending money. And like, like yes, last night as we were leaving the crawl, I said, oh, you know, I went and I bought, because you know, there's these, what is it, gold something, the cheap tickets you get, the emails about like, you know. Gold star. Gold yeah. star. Yeah. And I bought, I bought myself a terrible one <laughs> Rod Stewart cheap trick ticket, because I said, well, I'm going to be really depressed not to see, I love Cheap Trick, and I actually really like Rod Stewart. I just, like, if he turns, if he sings a, a, a standard, I'll walk out, but if he sings a Rod Stewart song, I'll, I'll stay. Have you, I think Dang. Holly and I had this exact conversation. We, we saw Alice Cooper, and we saw the type of audience that goes to these shows, and like, oh, okay, I, we were on the young part of it. Well, but, first of all, Alice Cooper had to be great, right? He always Oh, he was phenomenal. It was a great show. Great, great, great. He he really got me out to L.A. in a way. Like when I was thinking of moving here, I took a job on a documentary with him. And that was like I made all these trips out here looking, trying to get comfortable with L.A. So and I remember staying at the oh, my God, what is it? It's a really weird hotel uh, on like is it Lankershim? And it's named after an old actress. What was her oh. name? Oh, the Beverly Garland. Are you talking right, about the exactly. Garland? Oh. And I always thought it was like the Beverly Hilton. And then I realized, <laughs> no, it's Beverly Garland, the actress. It was like the 
Wasn't she like Frederick is, Murray's is like that right? wife on something? Yeah, that's funny. I would not know that, but that's a. I had no. I've never heard of Beverly Garland. This is uh, this is fascinating. She was kind of, she was kind of a sexy actress of the she, late fifties, early sixties, I believe. She yeah, she look. She has a Shirley Jones look about her. Oh, that's a good look. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> oh man. Oh. <laughs> With the hair. Uh, I'll say that's a look that worked for me. In fact, last night we were driving back and passed through Echo Park, I think. And I remembered before I moved to LA, there was a movie called Echo Park. And I seem to remember it was like a sexy comedy with Susan Day. And there was nothing like, <laughs> I said to my wife, like, how do I not own a VHS and just stand and watch that all day? There's a sexy Susan Day role. I've got to, I've got to watch that. <laughs> okay, so the, the restaurant is the, the front yard if you ever want to go there at the Beverly Garland, which is pretty good. We, when I'm a, uh, when I'm with my mistress at the Beverly Garland, I will definitely go to uh, the, have a lovely meal in public. Actually, that's what I've heard about the Sportsman's Lodge, is that's where everyone takes their, you know, has their, their trysts. They, well, now there's a lovely place to go shopping yeah. next door. It's an air wand. Have you discussed? After you, after you cheat on your wife, you want to get something healthy for yourself. You got to treat yourself. And outrageously expensively healthy. I, oh, as my wife and I said, like, we, we like walked out and I'm like, I feel like we've been like assaulted by the <laughs> I feel a lot lighter. Why do I feel a lot lighter? Oh, exactly. <laughs> gone. I feel like I can't afford my house now. <laughs> that place is really nice. They've really uh, uh, spiffed it up. They've spiffed it up, but they also must have designed it pre-pandemic because the rows are really tight. Like I, I now am very aware when I go in stores, I don't want to be that close to that many people. Mm. We went to see Heim last night and my daughter is the opposite of Holly's daughter. We were in the back of the bowl. We couldn't have gotten any further back. We were literally behind the wall. And it was- how great were they? We passed that. We live in the Hollywood Hills. But the funny thing is we were coming from Nick Kroll and my wife goes, I think John Mulaney is playing there. And I'm like, it doesn't sound like a Mulaney. No. <laughs> All right. So tell me about this. So this podcast, so you go through Tangiers and you, you try different drugs or what's, what's going on? I'm not sure that with the naked lunch, no, no, that, my porn film. Okay. Uh, Did you realize there was another naked, le- that, that name had been taken already? Well, the funny thing is, yeah, I was, uh, I did. I played tennis this morning, and a guy on the court asked what the name of the podcast was, and I said, "He goes, did you get a? Did you talk to the Burroughs estate?" And I'm like, <laughs> "Oh yeah, that's a call I'm going to make." The truth is, I let me. Uh, I can very specifically tell you who I am by saying, I named it my. It was my idea, Naked Lunch. I have never read Naked Lunch. I only know. I'm only a Steely Dan fan who knows that they got their name from a dildo in Naked Lunch, you know? So that's what I, that's, I, I've never, I think I might've read the Monarch Notes and written a high school or college paper about Naked Lunch. I just always loved the name in conjunction with Steely Dan. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, full disclosure, I had to look up, I had to go on Wikipedia to look up the plot and like, okay, I'm going to mention Tangiers. Oh, yeah, I'll, I, and maybe I'll impress David that, uh, oh yeah, he, he read Naked Lunch, he knows all about that. I, I will tell you, the more exciting thing is that I, did, I would not, I've interviewed, I interviewed Steely Dan, the two of them, once or twice, not a comfortable thing. We do have... So That's what I would expect. 
I, I would love a theme song. Like I'm a very big fan of FM by you know Steely Dan. Right. I would love a Steely Dan theme song. Didn't ask, but I did go to Brad Paisley, as you know, whose name I drop more frequently <laughs> than any other. Who's actually one of my only friends that I still have, and I said, you know, he like four years ago or three years ago, pre-pandemic, I we were having some emotional night working on something, and I said. You have to play my funeral. He goes, I'm booked. I, he, in fact, said, I can't wait to play your funeral. I'm so excited. And then when we were about to launch this podcast, I said, you know what? I'm going to say you don't have to play my funeral because I won't enjoy that. But you have to write the theme song to Naked Lunch. So Brad has written the theme song, which is, I can conservatively say, the greatest 30 seconds of music in history. It is the greatest, the greatest lyric uh, not written by Cole Porter or Dylan. It, it's exquisite. I can't wait for you to hear it. Let's spill the beans, chew the fat, food for thought, jokes on tap. Talking with our mouths full, having fun. Piece of cake and humble pie, serving up a slice of life. Leave the dressing on the side, it's naked lunch. Clothing optional. I'm going to disagree because Joel Graves, the creator of the What Difference Does It Make 30 Seconds theme song, is uh, is possibly the greatest theme of all time. For, you know, for an 80s theme podcast, you can't beat it. It's the, it's just positively the best. Definitely number two to Naked Lunch. Okay. Shout out to Joel. Oh, I know. It's going to Thank be you, great. Joel, for uh, creating the What Difference Does It Make podcast theme song. That's yeah. phenomenal. Thanks, <laughs> uh, but yeah, doing it. I mean, you know, a podcast is an adventure in this. In our case, like Phil and I have been talking about this because it's based on the fact that we've had lunch for 20 years with our friends, you know, uh, and brought them together. And we've and and we actually took a shot at it like five years ago or, six, you know, we sort of tried to do it. But those were in the golden age where no one paid you money to mm. do a podcast. And we both. <laughs> lost interest him because he's a billionaire and busy and me because I was struggling to you know I wasn't going to pass up on any I have to write every dog and pony show on TV I can't I wasn't going to turn it down finally the business of podcast seems to be one of the only growth businesses in media today there's and there's our podcast and now there's going to be so there's going to be like two podcasts that are out there right now it'll be at least two at least two uh, we're doing it and uh, you know we're working with uh Stitcher, which I didn't even know was owned by Sirius. And I did record my first ad with Phil the other day, you know, where, so I assumed there's ads. I just found that out. <laughs> we have a theme song. We have ads. We have done episodes with like uh, some of my favorite people. Are you at liberty to disclose any of the other guests besides Alice and Janney? I'll just say it. Yes. I'll say so far. When, when, when this airs, the first one will be out. So the debut episode will be, will feature. I will not tell you because I don't know yet. There's two. Oh, okay. Two are deciding. We're, we're in editing, constant editing mode now. Or I should say, I'm just waiting for someone to send me the edit and then give notes. <laughs> like, how did you make me sound like an idiot? Because you're an idiot. That's what works. But so far, we yeah, Ray Romano and Brad Garrett together. So it was very much for the. Everybody loves Raymond. Nobody loves David Wildcraft. There's uh, yeah, Alice and Janney. Jimmy Jam, who I work with on the Grammys and who I love. Nice. You know, uh, just a, a, like one of my favorite people on earth. We did 
Susanna Hoffs and Jay Roach together. So that's the first interview ever. They said, we've never done something together. And so we did it together. We interviewed our wives. That's the episode that may never air <laughs> because my wife was brutal. It was actually really great. I love that episode. We're filming with a comedian I can't mention. I think it's been announced. Jimmy Kimmel will be coming up. Cheryl Crow is next week. And she's the first person I met in LA, I think, or second person I met. I knew her before she was Cheryl Crow. I met her when she was a woman who had sung with Michael Jackson and who had just signed with A&M Records. And the publicist, Diana Barron, who you might have know, but when I moved here, she goes, I want to introduce you to this new artist who's, you know, working on her first record. So we went to lunch and she is, and looks exactly the same, the most lovely person in every way. I've always loved her. So I've known her longer than like anyone. We're really, I'm really excited. We're doing that next week. All right. She's got her documentaries coming out, I think this week or something. Yes. Yeah. And I just got it and I'm going to watch it t uh, tonight. And Brad Paisley is uh, maybe. What? <laughs> And, and, I should have a bell or something to ding. Like every time Brad Paisley is mentioned, we'll just do a little ding. Actually, a lot of Brads. We have Brad Garrett. I yeah. think uh, if we get pit, we'll have the Brad trifle. Oh, there you go. <laughs> so what is this? So do you put a, a microphone in the middle of the table and you just uh, have a restaurant? Or are you at the restaurant when you're doing this? Or how is how is this working? Well, according to Variety, I think it's <laughs> always at Phil's house, which is not true. It's been at a combination of people's houses, a recording studio. We did one at, at Sirius XM in like what looked like a talk show set. We have done a number at Phil's. We did do Brad's at Phil's house. And that gives you a sense of it's literally just, yeah, around a table, mic with mics up and you do hear us chew, which is, you know, either, I think we're going to find that there's 30% of America that will <laughs> violently ill at hearing the yeah. chew. And then, but there's like 10% of like people with a fetish who will only listen to the show. They will not know who we are. They might not speak the language, but they yearn to hear people mouth, chewing. Mouth sounds. Yeah. Yes. Uh, the, the ASM, you see the misophonia people like me have yes. misophonia. Uh, is that going to be a problem? You know what? There are going to be lots of problems and lots of fun <laughs> and lots of laughs. I've enjoyed it so much. For the food people, there's also all sorts of chefs. We're having like mm -hmm. uh, Roy Choi, who's really interesting. I didn't know him well before, and Nancy Silverton. So we've had all sorts of all right. like people who are more interesting than me. All good. And since it's, you're in a studio and they deliver the food, do you know what's what's coming your way? Well, so far, it's like... We're just, you know, with anything you start, and this is what I found, like trying to start a TV special or series, it's like you just are trying to grapple with how to pull everything off. Like we're doing a comedian who may be of the Jewish faith. Oh, okay. Like, so we'll say Seinfeld and just, and we'll start with Seinfeld and then work our way. Yes. Oh, he's Jewish? Yeah. And, uh, and I said, well, then we should go Jewish for this. Like we haven't had... We've done like 10 of these. We haven't had like a deli lunch. So I said, listen, if the producer, if you order the food and get the orders, I will pick it up. It's sort of slightly not really on my way. And you need to, because you want it to be fresh. And like when we did Jimmy Jam, I had to order on Postmates and pray. Oh, it man. Came. Yeah. It's, it's been every sort of different way. I think we originally thought we'd go to restaurants more, but you, <laughs> you soon realize audio is tough. Yeah. In a lot of places. 
So who is who's choosing the food? Well, Phil has been recommending sometimes, but like a couple of them have been things like we went and talked to Sue, Susanna Hoffs and Jay on Passover. And <laughs> I went and just, we didn't have, so we were going to be eating other meals. So I just stopped at a fancy and got fancy rug a lot, you know? <laughs> so we had just sort of, it was more a naked snack. Yeah. Uh, fancy. Uh, generally, yeah. What Phil, is fan, fancy rug? What is, it's just a cookie. What is, what is fancy rugula? Well, it's when you pay $50. Oh, oh so you went to Air One. Is that what happened? No, no. I, I wish. I probably would have gotten a bargain. No, <laughs> Air One. I went to, uh, what is the fancy one on Santa Monica or Melrose? Uh, I don't know. I just went to the most expensive one. Because it's Monica. on Phil's budget? Is that? Well, no, because I'm trying to impress Susanna Hoffs. Oh. Which, which, <laughs> That's okay. so sweet, the two of them. Do you have a restraining order now from Susanna? Did you, or were you... Did you control yourself? I know you're like me. I think we both have uh, have it bad for Susanna, but mm -hmm. but you got well, close to her. <laughs> you know, I have always been respectful of her. I do I do think she defies time in a way I've never seen. But no, it's like I think doing it with her husband was both thrilling and a terrible idea for someone with a crush on her. Um, but actually, it's interesting. Uh, and Holly, you're a woman. You tell me if this is a good or a bad idea. Like I was thinking with. Cheryl, like, I've known her for 30 years, like, and I wanted to say, like, have I ever been, like, a creep or jerk, you know, in any way? Have I, because I realized, like, even the conventions of TV, which I work in, like, you know, people used to, I think in my remembrance of TV, like, intros of women would always go, she's a beautiful something. It's like, as if they were in a beauty contest, and I'm like, did I ever do anything like that, you know? I, I want to see if I did anything stupid ever, you know, if I see, was ever a jerk. That alone is not is not jerky, although Dave, Dave and I have talked about this a lot because oftentimes we do say, and she looks amazing, I want to now take out all references to somebody's physical appearance because it's just, it's not what we want to focus on. I don't think it's jerky, I, and I don't think if you were ever, if you ever said it in the past, and she is, oh my God, she is amazing. Cheryl Crow, I mean. Yes. I don't think it would have been perceived that way, but now I don't think it's appropriate to make a reference to it. Well, I, I know it's not. The interesting thing I want to, want to ask her about also, because I have known her so long for so well, I realized, and I haven't seen the documentary I'm going to watch tonight, but I read articles about it where she talks about like the price she's paid for being nice. And I realized like I have in my work career watched the price she's paid for being nice. Like, I remember, like, when I have asked her to come through and be on TV shows or charity events and things, she, like Brad Paisley, you can add another dollar, uh, she is someone who always shows up. Like, she will be there for you. And then I've had some of the same people who have asked her to show up go, oh, man, she's always showing up for everything. And I'm like, she shows up for everything that you asked her to show up for. You can't penalize someone for doing what you begged them to do. That's, and I've seen her show up for things like when she was battling cancer. I worked with her, I remember really vividly one year at the Grammys when she was going through, I think the breakup with Lance Armstrong and cancer, she came through. If you asked her and it was a reasonable thing, she would try and it just made me realize. And then like, I will tell you, this is like how podcasts can actually inform you. Like I was around her from the, like when I met her, I went soon after that, she had me over to A&M Records to play me her new record. 
it was a record that never came out. If you remember, she stopped a record. She mm -hmm. made, Hugh Padgham produced a record for mm -hmm. her and she didn't like it. And she played it for me. I think I might be one of the nights she realized, I don't want this album out. Like I want to start over because, uh, and I see, because it, because Now that's hard to do. If you're listening with her in the room, did you know that she didn't like it? Or did she say, I like, I like to play something for you? I, I, you know, I'm going to ask her this next week when we sit down again. But yeah. My memory is that we both were like, wow, that's because it was really produced. And it was very sort of like, you Padra made her kind of a police record with her. And she, and then that's, I think what happened. She then go, went off and said, fresh start and did the Tuesday night music club. But then again, I realized her niceness was taken against her because Again, yeah. I've never known her to be anything but fair and generous and kind and good. And like, I've flown with her where she's with her kids. She's a great mom. She, you know, she's just amazing. And yet, if you remember, after Tuesday Night Music Club, there was all this sort of like anti-Sheryl Crow whisper campaign from some of the guys that oh, I, right. said, I think yeah. one in particular saying she stole credit or, and, and I now believe from what I've read, absolutely none of that was true i mean not only her subsequent brilliant career has proven that wasn't true but i believe that i know i have figured out who was saying all that shit and i heard them on a podcast recently and realized oh yeah they're out of their fucking mind yeah. like they're a they're a lunatic conspiracy theory nutcase and so they found a way to make that success story ugly and thus someone as nice as cheryl crow has to take shit again it's just you know, so I'm fascinated to have this catch up with her so much so that I'm doing the interview with you. I don't. Know yeah. Can we? Yeah. Can we sit on this? OK, so she doesn't say no. So you have to give us her email so we can get her on the podcast. Because so we Hold on. She just said no. And what? Oh, well, OK, she, I, we probably couldn't because I might the, be. Going, right. She is one of my favorite. The way I feel about Susanna Hoffs is. Yeah, that's how Holly feels about Cheryl Crow. It's interesting because. You know, I have to say, I realized this podcast, which is, this is why you shouldn't have me on. Uh, the podcasts have been great when you have people you love on. Like, so far, like, you can't, we had so much fun laughing at Brad, who I know pretty well, and, and Brad, not Paisley, Brad Garrett and Ray Romano. Then, now I will say Brad Paisley, because he, I've introduced him to Phil like three years ago, and they've become fast friends. So, I really just want to do podcasts with my wife and friends. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. Slow it down. David's got so many more stories. I think he has one more Brad Paisley story to tell us. But for now, we're going to t stop it and take a break, and we will be right back. Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. 
With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode. Available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So, what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right, you'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Welcome back to the What Difference Does It Make podcast and our guest, David Wilde. Let's talk about the nice Grammys and trying to write something that's not going to um, upset anybody. I mean, did that affect the tone of the Grammys that you you were the writer for? The week before, there was an, an incident where I believe, I don't know if you heard about this, but there was a uh, an incident <laughs> with, uh, with a comedian and an actor, a little to-do thing going on there. So did that affect, was there a discussion? I'm sure there was, but. There definitely was a discussion. And I definitely think they, our opening act made us look really good by comparison, (laughs) at least in terms of that being, and a hundred percent, Trevor Noah is one of the smartest and most like astute host. And also there's no garbage. He's so smart. I don't know if you saw him at the, uh, the correspondent. I was going to mention that as well. It, it was like two different tones to, uh, yeah. you know, the Grammys and the White House correspondence dinner was different. But he is, yeah. I'm, I'm just such a fan. And I don't know if I told you this. Did I tell you the story of how I ended up bringing him into the Grammy world by a grand cosmic accident? I need to hear this. Please tell. Four years ago or five years ago when the Grammys were in New York for the year, I don't know if you remember, James Corden was hosting. And I was getting on the plane. I had argued for years, let's present the comedy award because it's like, if we want to add more fun, let's actually give out the comedy award. So I got permission. Yes, we're going to, Ken Ehrlich at that point said, yes, we can do it. I said, we're going to New York. Let me see if we can get Trevor Noah to present it. Cause I, I've been a fan for years. I don't know if you've read his book, uh, Born a Crime. Crime. Yeah. I, I love it. And that's not a funny book, but it's a brilliant book. Mm-hmm. So. I'm just a stone cold Trevor Noah fan. So I called this publicist and said, is there any way Trevor could do it? And they said, I'm sorry. We checked. He's in Florida this weekend doing a gig. He can't. I go to pack for New York. I go with my nephew to the airport. He's also going to New York and he is flying with me. We're in JetBlue Mint, which was good. And, <laughs> but, and when we got to the airport, he goes, you want to sit together? I go, no, no, I'll just take wherever they sit because <laughs> I was hoping to sleep and not talk family. I see my family a lot. So I was okay with taking random stranger. The random stranger next to me was Trevor Noah. (laughs) And I am as much as a pain in the ass name dropper as you know me to be. I don't like to bother people like on a plane. I would never. So I just sat there and 
Then about three quarters of through through the flight, I'm watching a football game, I think, and he goes, starts talking about the game, and we start talking, and then I say, hi, my name's David. I'm, I'm actually flying for the Grammys. I'm so sorry you couldn't join us Sunday. And he went, what? <laughs> I said, I'm so sorry you're not available to present the Comedy Award at the Grammys. He goes, the hell I'm not. He goes, I'm going to Florida on Friday for a gig, and I was going to come back Sunday night and swim, you know, but if you're telling me his publicist had not passed on the news, and he was like, yeah. I'm going to fly back Sunday morning. I definitely would love to present this. That'd be a thank you. So as we left the plane, I'm like texting like the <laughs> producer and the talent booker going, do not book anyone else. And he's saying, saying his publicist, why did you not tell me? And that's how he started, came into Grammy world. And now the last couple of years, I have just so loved working with him and his team. It's just been they're perfect. And listen, I'm lucky. I've done it. It's 21 years. The grand total, I've only worked with great people. It's been John Stewart at first. Then it was Queen Latifah for a year. Great. It was nobody for three years, I think. It was unhosted. And then it became, you know, I'm sorry, LL Cool J, James Corden, and Trevor Noah now. So it's just been all people I just love. But I have to say, Trevor is just, I love especially for the year we had no audience at all. Mm -hmm. He had a kind of ability to narrate an evening that uh, I've never seen anyone do better. He's just great. He did the comedy award. You got that on the air. The comedy award, I guess, fortunately for you guys, was not on the air because the winner was Louis C.K., which would have made it a little bit awkward, I believe. Yes, I don't write the award winners, and that would not have been good. And I don't know. I, I don't want to talk about it. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I so <laughs> There's no, I will tell you, it's very funny because I, my first, one of the first shows I ever wrote was with Louis C.K. And it was like me, I think Chris Rock, Louis, it was like hugely funny, talented guys. And they were not particularly happy to have me in their writing team. I don't know how it happened, but it wasn't like, it wasn't that warm and cozy. Sometimes it's, you know, when you're a non-comedian. Sure trying to write jokes yeah. for comedians. It's not, or lines. It's not always warm and cozy. It's sometimes it's, it's not, it wasn't bad, but it wasn't. The funny thing is, so we never really talked much that year. Then a couple of years ago, I was nominated for an Emmy and my wife and I were in the red carpet and Louis was in front of us. And my wife goes, do you know him? And I go, not really. And at that moment he turned around and went, David, how are you? And, and it was like we were long lost friends. And I think it was because he'd seen me like in this, maybe he watches CNN and saw me in a bunch of documentaries and imagine there's conversations between us. There really was never a conversation between us. I, I had that happen with maybe my greatest comedy hero or one of them recently, Albert Brooks at a movie night at Phil's. He's my hero. I have never met him and I've tried to, for instance, like, when we did a Neil Diamond behind the music, he was Neil's opening act at one point. I begged him yeah. to do it, I, or I begged through his people. Never have been able to meet him at a movie night with Phil. There he's showing defending your life, and I'm so excited oh, just for that. Uh, <laughs> movies of all time. Yeah. But, but Ted Sarandos is there, and they're just talking, and it's not like I'm an earthling. I can't interrupt Albert Brooks and Ted Sarandos, and I'm I, again like with Trevor Noah. I'm not someone who's ever going to go up to someone and say. Hi, here's who I am, and mm -hmm. let me meet you. And just not my style. But my wife, at one point, I'm looking at her, and the look comes over her face, 
And I, a guy comes from behind me and gives me like a hug from behind. He goes, and it was Albert Brooks. And he goes, David, how are you, man? It's so good to see you again. It's been a long time. To which I said, it's been forever because I have never met you, Albert Brooks. And he goes, what? I go, I would know if I met you because you're my hero. I wouldn't forget meeting like it's like if I knew Elvis, I would remember that moment. And he goes, oh, my God, I thought I knew you. And I think it was, I think we've been in a couple documentary or things together, like in the same one. And we're both probably so self-involved. We've watched them a lot. So that <laughs> we think we know each other. Like he thought he knew me from something. That's, but I know, I know I never met him. That's a great Albert Brooks story because that, that's how you want to meet him. <laughs> it was the perfect way because I yeah. wasn't going to meet him any yeah. other way. And now it put me in an equal position. And I got hugged, which... I've been married a long time. I haven't been hugged at all. <laughs> it's actually the opposite. When celebrities say that people approach them because they feel like they, people feel like they know this person because of the persona they portray on TV. So that's you. Albert Brooks thought he knew you because you're, you know, some celebrity that he's only seen on screen. Oh, so yeah. he thought I, he knew you. I am some star. <laughs> I don't know. That, I love it. Wow. Well, that would be weird too, to show your own film, like to be, at a movie screening, and here's the guy who created it sitting there. Obviously, it's a beloved film, but it's just, it sounds, could we watch something else, something that Albert Brooks preferred? Oh, no, no. The, the, the way it works is, like, for evenings like that, not only will they be there when they show it, then they will get up and answer questions and tell stories. Oh. So he, he did, like, an hour of stories that were, like, stand-up by, by, you know, the greatest comedian who doesn't do stand-up anymore. It was amazing. And, like, Phil's movie night, lately, it's been insane. Like, mm. James Fonda came and played Clute. Oh, no. uh, now, for our podcast, another guest that's been announced, so I can say it, we had the most amazing, like, two-hour conversation with Elaine May, mm -hmm. who has yeah. shown... A Heartbreak Kid, we, she came and answered questions for Heartbreak Kid and uh, A New Leaf, both of like of her movies. I just recently watched that. I've got the Criterion channel, and I just watched it. It's, it's great. I love It was so fun. Elaine, so amazing. I can't wait for this podcast to air because I don't even remember the exact nature of it, but she made fun of me so well. Like, <laughs> they can make fun of you so well that you love it. Like, you, you're thanking her. Wow, <laughs> thank oh you, Elaine. <laughs> well, sort of like when I met Rickles. Like, yeah. when I met Rickles, I met him at the White House doing a, I was covering a state dinner. We ended up getting to know each other, and I loved him. But he never put me down, really. <laughs> uh, maybe it was too obvious, you know, there's too many things he could make fun of. But... The greatest thing was after a while, he he must have liked me okay because when he got his star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame, he invited my me to take my wife and his invited guests. We were like a little area, you know. It was Bob Newhart and his wife, Dick Clark and his wife, and me and Fran, Fran and I. And we we're like, so we were like the youngest by like 35 yeah. years. But when he met my wife, it was just one of my favorite sentences ever. He goes, Fran, he told me you were a dog, which is... <laughs> The greatest Don Rickles way to say you're pretty and also like try to make fun of me and get yeah. I love, I love it. Also, who says a dog? Like, when's the last time someone goes, your wife is a dog? Well, he is old school. Ah. Such a dog. I wonder if Don would have to adjust his act now if he was still around. Like, what, how he would uh, adapt to today's. Well, if you want to know, Moors. listen to the Brad Garrett episode. Oh, really? Oh, okay. Because oh. I think you will you will hear a great exploration of that topic. Oh, really? Okay. Ah. Okay, and what did you eat with Elaine May? 
uh, I think it was a shrimp laffa. It was some fancy sandwich that, you know what, I only remember the ones I've been in charge of, like the deli tomorrow. I can tell you, and I think what's yeah. funny is Art's Deli, I think they must have a sandwich named after Phil and his daughter, because I ordered the, I think it's it's the Phil and Lily, and I have a feeling it's that's what it is, named for Phil and his daughter. I don't oh, know. Okay. Well, I'm glad you're giving uh, the Valley, the Studio City Arts Deli. I love that. That's... Well, the reason I'm doing it is also, in addition to wanting to go for the Jewish theme with the guest, it's also, I want to be able to tell the story of, you know, when Ray and Phil met, it was at Arts Deli. Oh. Ray had been on the Letterman show, and it had gone really well, and they were put together as like the showrunner and the, you know, star. And that was where the first meeting was. So I just thought we should not take a nod to that by nice. ordering from Also, it's convenient for me to pick right. up. <laughs> sure. Most important. Oh, I will say for Brad Paisley, you can get another mark. I realized in addition to the food we ordered for that, that which was pizza, uh, I said, <laughs> we have to pay him for the theme song so that legally he can't take it back. So yeah. I went and got at the wonderful bakery near Arts Deli called... Oh, are you talking about Big Sugar? Big Sugar. That's Yay. Oh. Thank you. Big Sugar. I love that great. place. Yeah. They have Dodger cupcakes, which you've probably seen. <laughs> Every time I go in there, I get Dodger cupcakes and bring them for like parties. And I went down that day and they didn't have them. And I said, I will pay you anything. I need a dozen Dodger cupcakes, which I then gave to Brad as full payment for the theme song. That was like... $28 for that theme song. That's rough. That, oh, nice. Music sequencing freeze. Uh, <laughs> Seems like a fair price to I, pay. Oh, yeah. Well, this For the best theme music of all time. Yep. The best song. No. No. Best song in history, full stop. A full stop. Right. The guy who writes for Rolling Stone. That's it. That, that is it. So, yeah. <laughs> you can quote me. I can quote me. Yeah. I, a quote. Yeah. A pull quote. There's the pull quote. Yes. You are credible. We know I, your we know your credentials. Come for the well, theme music, well. stay for the podcast. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I'm just reading emails about lunch orders. Uh, I'm getting my father-in-law with, with this mysterious Jewish comedian. Yes. Yeah. Uh, who who might like coffee? Does this comedian like coffee? Uh, it's not Seinfeld. Okay. Oh, it's okay. Oh. A Jewish comedian that it's and okay. I will no, say it's not Jackie Mason. I know. I'm going Don Rickles. Jackie Mason. No. <laughs> We did an earlier episode. Wait, Albert Albert Brooks would be. Oh, no, but stay. Okay, I'm sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> we did do Paul Reiser, and it was so fantastic because I realized, like, Diner, like, watched, I watched oh. Diner before, which, if you go back, there's some movies you go back and you, like, my favorite movies as a high schooler or college kid were, I would say the two greatest movies of all time are Local Hero and Diner. I was at your favorite record store, Amoeba Records, and I picked up. I they had the Local Heroes soundtrack, Mark Knopfler, and it's phenomenal. So it's so, so good, good, right? <laughs> I think Diner. I I thought certainly those will fade in my mind. I've watched both in the last year. Yeah, they both are still perfect. They're, I think they're my two, still my two favorite movies. Really, I thought. Well, if you take Paul Reiser, I think uh, Musso and Frank. You should have taken them too, because now I think of Kaminsky Method. I, Which I, I watched a few of those to pair, but I, I have to admit I'm catching up. Oh, okay. It's worth it's worth sticking with. It's uh, it's really good, actually. He's, and, he's and, so and, funny. So yeah. Great. By the way, your kids have made you viral. I don't know if you realize how viral you are on the What Difference Does It Make podcast channel on YouTube. Oh, yeah. I don't know this. But your Paul McCartney story 
talking about your your lovely wife and how you met and, and with Linda. And Linda. You've gotten over 30,000 views and people are commenting. People love to... Every day people comment. Every day we get people just saying, that is an amazing story. Oh my God. Like no one ever comments on true? our stuff. It's is that true? 100% true. Oh, you know what's funny? Last week I went on a Beatles podcast called Here, There, and Everywhere. And I think I told that story for the second time ever. And they just tweeted out that... They've broken all their streaming records with that story. So I'm literally going to stop writing and producing for TV and just go around and talk about my wife. <laughs> yeah. If you ever want to feel good about yourself, go to yeah. go to our page because people are, uh, there's a few wacko comments on there, but yeah. for the most part, they're really, really touching. And, you know, someone actually comments, which is crazy. I'm going to look that up. I will avoid the scary ones. And last time we spoke, I was working on a book with Ringo, which is now out and sold out. It's like a, you know, this weird limited edition stuff, but they now are doing a new edition of it. And so people can order Lifted by Ringo Starr. Please do. It goes to charity. I think my wife was not here when I did the last one, but when I did this Beatles one like a week ago, she walked in during it and she like she she said at one point she goes, Do you even wait for people to ask questions? And I'm like, No. Starting it was actually on your podcast, the first one. I I didn't know that you I think you guys have a great podcast. I love it. I'll well, go on any time. Thank you. thank you. But I didn't know that at first. I only knew that my wife had met some guys <laughs> online at a Dodgers race that I was trailing way behind. But I, yeah, I think that was when I began deciding I'm just going to, what is it called like in the Senate when they won't let anyone else talk? Oh, I can't believe I forgot the word as well. You wanted to say filibuster. Yeah, that's it. Filibuster. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm going to filibuster. Yeah. I'm actually going to change my legal name to Phil uh, Buster. <laughs> Buster. There. It's your punk rock name. I actually think it, is it Phil Buster? <laughs> Yes, that would that and Phil Rosenthal could get confusing. <laughs> the Phils. The real country show I've done for 21 years is the CMA Awards. Carrie Underwood, I worked with as a host for 12 years with Brad Paisley, and she lived. <laughs> but the, almost that whole time, she's been talking about wanting to sing with Axl Rose. And this past weekend at Stagecoach, mm-hmm. I, I I was with her at the Grammys, and uh, I heard an inkling that it might be coming true. But I'm so happy it happened because she is a massive uh, Guns N' Roses fan. So am I. She was also like she liked Aerosmith, and we I I did a whole sketch with her and a, you know with Steven Tyler. But Axl Rose is not someone who shows up. He's, no. He's not. Uh, so that was a, that's a big thrill. That footage, oh my god! And I gotta say that she's she and I don't know that much about Carrie Underwood. Just you know your basic consumer. She's got the moves. She's got the axle moves down. She's had those moves down for since as a teenager. I think that's more her world than country. Yeah, I think clearly okay. new country. But she yeah. was, a, you know, although she was, was born in '83, I looked it up. She was born in '83, <laughs> and Appetite came out in '87. So there's, you know, it's Maybe after Guns N' Roses were done. Then she came. Then she discovered the band. But that's pretty in I the '90s. I don't think her mom was listening to that much Guns N' Roses, but I think they were, you know, yeah. they became classic rock. And I think she was raised on a lot of good classic rock. Yeah, obviously. I mean, did were you responsible for the Steven Tyler doing Walk This Way? I think they did it another time at the CMT Awards or something. And I might have been part of that. But I did a whole thing with she and Brad and Steven doing a bit at the CMAs. And Steven is an old friend of mine. Yeah. And we had total blast. But I, I if I'm honest... 
I, even then she was saying, Dave, this is great, but get me Axel Rose. <laughs> <laughs> she just loves Guns N' Roses. Loves Guns N' Roses. Well, that was awesome. She did a fabulous. Yeah, job. it was clearer that she loved. Yeah. I mean, just the fact she she was doing a better Axel than Axel was doing. Yes. yes. I mean, and I, I will say one of my more impressive credentials because he doesn't like a lot of rock critics. I am thanked by Axel on "Use Your Illusion" one and two. Is that right? What? Uh, why? He, why? He, why? <laughs> okay. This is how we're going to bill you. When yeah, we have right. The podcast. You got Axel's uh, blessing. That's on the same record where he did Get in the Ring to uh, Guccione. Bob That's Guccione. right. And I, I was like a new rock critic, but I just arrived at Rolling Stone and I had a really cool assistant who was a heavy metal freak fan named Kim Neely. She turned me on to Guns N' Roses like the week they came out. I heard Sweet Child of Mine and I thought, this is like the greatest thing I've heard since Zeppelin. I was like, because I'm not a hard rock. It's not my main thing. But when you hear a great song, you hear mm -hmm. a great song. So when he opened for Aerosmith, I was there with Aerosmith, but I went backstage to Guns N' Roses and uh, it's just a giant stadium. So this was like right at the beginning of their rise. Yeah. I remember it so vividly because no one else in the band had the gift of speech because they were all so <laughs> fucked up at that particular moment. Like they were being separated from Aerosmith for Aerosmith's protection. But Axel <laughs> was the most verbal, so into music and I remember I remember exactly what we talked about because he said we, we realized we both love the raspberries Nazareth <laughs> go all the way and the, pet, and the pet shop boys we talked about those <laughs> bands for like a half an hour backstage and hit it off and then he became a superstar like in the month or so after that there was a Rolling Stone ad party so it wasn't for the editors. It was for like the ad department, but it was at the Ritz, I remember. And he apparently was in New York, walked by and saw a Rolling Stone party. And he walked in when he was the biggest star sure. in the world and said, excuse me, is David Wilde here? I like that dude. Oh, okay. That was the coolest I ever was. I'm not cool. At Rolling Stone, I was very cool after that. I then he thanked me on Use Your Illusion. And there's a whole, there's 18 more stories we can save for next time. I would imagine if Axl Rose walked into a Rolling Stone meeting, like people would scatter. Like, no, he's he's going to hurt us. He hates us. <laughs> Except for David Wilde. This was like in the first four months of his superstardom. I'm telling you, I was like, you know Axl Rose. <laughs> the relationship took turns. What? With Axl Rose? That is crazy. <laughs> I'm not an argumentative guy, but at one point, I, should I tell this story? I will tell this story. It's going, yeah. My, my dad is dying. I'm in a hospice in Florida, gotcha. and I get a call, and it's from a woman who is managing Axel for about 20 minutes because he's beginning to have a very chaotic uh, management life. But she goes, Axel is really wants you to apologize. And I went, <sighs> for what? Like, I've never done anything to Axel. I love it. I really am a huge fan of Axel. I, I said, for what? They said, for this article that ran in 1995 or six or whatever, or whatever. No, sorry. It had to be in 2000 something. Cause this is oh. yeah, not that many years ago, yeah. but they said, he wants you to apologize for this article. And I'm like, I didn't write that article. He goes, he knows, but he wants you to apologize for it. And I said, I'm really sorry. Tell Axel, I'm very sorry that he's bothering me as I'm watching my father die. Oh, that was what I said. Oh. So that, I don't think that went down as well as other things. Uh, so, yeah, he hasn't invited me over to the house lately. Did he apologize to you? No. There's no way the publicist gave that message to him. 
it was manager. Or manager. If he was a decent manager, that was not the exact words that were relayed back to him. Yes. That's the real politic of rock and roll. (laughs) If she did, maybe you would have gotten an apology. Maybe. Maybe. Uh, Let this man go. You good? You happy? Anything else? Yeah. I I, I only eat with Phil. My wife will not... uh, (laughs) You know, encourage any of this. You know, every quarter we get we get you. So, uh, we'll, yes. we'll yeah, thank, thank you, you. thank you, thank you, and good uh, to see you as both. always. Yeah, naked lunch. How much is the season? Like ten? I mean, we we keep going. 40, we ha- forty three. We're contracted for forty three for one season, or just like we're going to do just a total of first year forty three. Wow. That is so exciting. Yeah, but you couldn't. Well, that's why we're literally it, just calling friends going, you got to do this. You know, we're going to uh, be net. We're going to be up there eventually. We'll know you're run out of people. We're like, all right, let's, <laughs> yes, I know two people. I don't know. If, can we have Brad Paisley on for I a 10th like time? There's some Venn, is it called a Venn diagram? Yeah, the, yeah, exactly. When, we, yeah, when right. we get to that or when we be canceled before that happens, yeah. that's, that's the... Uh, well, that's cool. So 43 episodes. Wow, that, that is a lot. But that's, yeah. I'm so excited. So, Very yeah. Excited. So it's kind of like Wheel of Fortune. You just turn it. It's like making sausages. Just uh, turn them out. A couple in a, in a day. It's a lot of lunch. Yeah. I mean, how much more could you ask for? Food, fun yes. people, nice people. Yeah, I, I've heard the trailer. People, this is my friend David Wilde. And you're Phil Rosenthal, who created Everybody Loves Raymond and is the award-winning star of Somebody Feed Phil. I was cast as Phil. <laughs> you were born for the part. And David is one of the greatest writers in the history of Rolling Stone magazine, and he writes every great award show that you can think of. Did I cover your career? Yes, and the Grammy goes to me. Yes. We love lunch and to a lesser extent each other. The food is delicious, but more importantly at lunch, we always have great conversations and lots of laughs with interesting people. Listen, for years we had hundreds, maybe thousands of lunches with all our friends. People from the music world, the food world, comedy world, film and television world, the world world, and even out of this world. (laughs) I always thought the lunches were so fantastic We should be taping these, and so now we are. Yes, we're no longer going to waste time having fun not getting paid for it. This is a very good reason to have a podcast. Brilliant to call it Naked Lunch, because why? Lunch is part of the show. Exactly, and Naked. Naked is also part of the show, but we're going to let that be in your mind. The conversations will be naked, even though the host may be clothed. Maybe they'll think, oh, it's Naked Lunch. Maybe we should be naked. And we'll say, yes, that's right. Uh, Not you. Not you. It's because certain people say, not you. No one has turned us down yet. You know why? They haven't heard it. We want you to listen to Naked Lunch. Starts May 12th, wherever you get your podcasts. Clothing optional. We eat lunch. We talk. We laugh. What is your role? What do you see yourself in this production? I see myself as the eye candy. Okay. Okay. That's true. Definitely. The sex appeal. I'm the... uh, I think I'm the less Jewish one. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm the sort of waspy hunk. I think that's how I've always seen sure. myself. Maybe yeah. I, I, I might have my mirror. My mirror is a weird shape. So All I don't right. know. Maybe when is it, yeah. So the posters are coming out too, right? The, you're yeah, going to have some posters good. that I can put up in my bedroom, like all my favorite podcast stars. You'll be one the of them. Merch, yeah. Yes, the merch. Uh, oh, uh, you're going to learn all yeah. about these podcast things. Yeah. Not only the, uh, the native advertising, but the merch. I have a feeling this is going to be big. 
they're, they're, you're not even going to take our call anymore after this. So, you know, I guess we'll enjoy this one. We'll bank this episode for uh, for all it's worth. No, I have so many friends I want to come on this show with. Thank you so much. Thank you Thank for having you. me on. Yeah, appreciate it. Pleasure, as always. We'll be in touch. All right, take care, Ram. See ya. Thanks, David. Okay, so David Wilde, Naked Lunch is the podcast. That was the reason he did this. You know, we, we have him every four months or so, but uh, this time he had like a legit reason to be on it. He's plugging things. <laughs> He needed us. Is that what you're saying? He desperately needs us. So that was wonderful that he came into our virtual studios and told a few stories. He is delightful. I love hearing every one of his stories. And I don't care how many times he mentions Brad Paisley. Okay. <laughs> Ding. I will listen to every Brad Paisley story. Yes. One day we're going to get Brad Paisley. And, and uh, if uh, if it goes to according to plan, David Wilde won't even be on the show. He will just have Brad. And he could give us all the uh, the lowdown on what David Wilde is really like. But in the meantime, it's fun to talk to David. The podcast is Naked Lunch, and it's available now. The first episode's out now. We're out every Friday. So if this is your first time listening to us, welcome. Please subscribe. Tell us what you think about it. And uh, where else can they find us? You can find us on YouTube at What Difference Does It Make Podcast. And you can find us on all social media, WDDIM Podcast. Love that. Okay. So thank you to David Wilde. Thank you to Holly for being our, our the co-host and, and making it uh, wonderful. And thank you, Dave, because you are an awesome co-host. In fact, I say the awesomest co-host. All right. Still, we have the best theme song. Thanks. So thank you to Joel Graves. And we can sign off and say, this is Dave. And this is Holly. Check you later. Over and out. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.